Beginning the Trek, a 52-episode introduction to Star Trek. Welcome to Beginning the Trek. Welcome. I am Jessica, and I am a newbie to Star Trek, and this is my journey to be introduced to all of the series. And I am Andy, and I am a longtime Trekkie. I'm introducing Jessica and anybody else who wants to be introduced to Star Trek. And we are going through our journey of 52 episodes, one each week. Uh, Pretty awesome. We have gone through the original series, and this is still kind of technically the original series, because this episode is all the animated series, which I only watched two of. But we did watch two because they were shorter than the live-action ones. Well, and remember, there are over 700 episodes of Star Trek, so two episodes of the animated series is about 10% of the whole thing, so you've the ratio is actually right about where it needs to be. Uh, anyway, if you haven't seen... <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do math. I, I apologize for throwing math into the whole mess. How, how dare you? I don't like math. We all know this. I know. Uh, if you haven't seen these episodes, go watch them. They're really great sci-fi stories, yeah. most of them. <laughs> exactly. We start out each episode by uh, talking spoilers. For for these two episodes, the biggest spoiler is if you haven't seen them, uh, go back and watch them because we're about to do our 10-sentence synopses. Synopsis. Synopsi? Synopsis? Synopsi? (laughs) Synopsi? There's two of them. Synopsis. What is the plural of synopsis? You're going to do one and I'm going to do one. And uh, that's a spoiler. So if you haven't watched them, they're fun. They are. They're good. Yeah. Go back. Go Go watch them. Go watch them. Then we'll come back and spoil them all for you. Definitely watch Yesteryear before you watch Lorelei. Because yesteryear was way better, let's just be honest. And since I've already spoiled that news, you can go ahead and give us 10 sentences as to why yesteryear was better than Lorelei. Well, I'll give you 10 sentences to what yesteryear was about. That's good enough. <laughs> and we'll, we'll see where we go from there. All right. So the animated series episode, Yesteryear. So they call it something different, like a time vortex or something like that, but the Enterprise is visiting the Guardian of Forever. McCoy and a giant bird guy are scanning the Guardian when Kirk and Spock return from the past, only to discover that Spock is now a stranger to the entire Enterprise crew. Thalen, Kirk's loyal Andorian first officer for the past three years. Wait, what? Wait, hold on. Wait, uh, okay. Thalen investigates and discovers that Spock actually died as a seven-year-old child back on Vulcan. Nurse Chapel was scanning Vulcan history during Spock's Kaz Wan ritual, and since Spock wasn't in the past, during his historic death from a wild animal attack, he was unable to go back in time to save himself as he was supposed to. Sure. So, Spock steps into the Guardian and arrives in time to see his younger self being teased by three emotionless, logical, and totally disciplined, um, Vulcan bullies? Calling himself Cousin Selick, Spock meets his parents and kiddo Spock and is given lodging for the night. Later, Spock sneaks out to practice his Kazwan ordeal, but Spock sees Aichaya, Spock's pet Seelot, sneaking after Spock, so Spock, fearing Spock's safety, decides to go after Spock. It's a good thing, too, since a monster that sounds surprisingly like Godzilla attacks, and if it were not for Aichaya and adult Spock, kid Spock would have been killed. 
Aichaya, unfortunately, was wounded and is dying now, and Spock is given the choice to end his pet's suffering mercifully, which he chooses to, thus gaining wisdom and maturity in the process. Having saved his former self, adult Spock bids mom and dad adieu and returns to an Enterprise crew who actually remembers him. But when he tells a joke, everybody is reminded that things change, even when they don't. The end. Very nicely done. Thank you. Thank you. That was kind of fun. That is a lot of Spocks. It is. And actually, I was kind of surprised because I was like, oh, maybe we'll do like even shorter synopsis of these. But... Star Trek manages to fit all of Star Trek into 30 minutes. They really do. I literally needed all t- – I, 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 I don't too. know what I would have done if I had only nine sentences because right. it, even at 22 minutes, it was such a huge story. So that's the first episode we're going to talk about. But before we get there, why don't you spoil the Lorelei signal? The Lorelei signal. Okay. For some reason, the Enterprise is out alone investigating a section of space in which many ships have disappeared when they detect a signal that turns the men stupid. Yes, stupid. And Uhura is puzzled because it's not doing anything to her, but all of the males have started hallucinating. Naturally, we follow the hallucination-inducing signal to a planet where Kirk, Spock, McCoy, and some other guy beam down to find some hot blondes led by an alien lady, Thela. Thela invites the boys to a feast where they are entertained with juggling precious stones and after making some fairly gross sexual innuendos, incapacitated and given glowing headbands that drain them of their life. Meanwhile, Uhura and Nurse Chapel are running tests and taking over the Enterprise from all of the men who are doing things like singing ballads instead of their jobs. Back on the planet, McCoy injects the landing party with a stimulant and Spock, naturally more able to resist, calls for Uhura to help them while the others hide from the blondes in a giant vase. Uhura beams down with an all-female team that should from here on out be known as Red Skirts and find out that Thela and company have been made immortal by this world, but sterile, so they must drain the life out of male crews from passerby ships. As to the problem of them basically being 100 years old, well, we'll just use the transporter to rematerialize the men as they were when they were beamed down. The device used to lure ships to the ladies is destroyed, and Uhura promises to send them to another world, as opposed to going to jail for decades of kidnapping and murder. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it was a pretty big episode, too, wasn't it? Was, it? it was kind of jam-packed. A little bit. It really is. I, 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 that's, I was so surprised at how much these stories still have in them, even for the, the tight amount of time they have. They tell a, a full, rich story. Yeah. And they, and they do it in a way that works for both kids and adults. So Well, almost, except for that comment that McCoy says. I, I don't know if I'd necessarily want my kids around that. Which one? I'm not sure which of the comments you mean. <laughs> right? Let's find out on uh, the other side of the shimmer. Let's talk episode. I'm not sure how to do this. Let's talk episodes. Yes, let's talk episodes. Let's uh, talk episodes. Let's go in order because one of these, they're both very different. Yes. There's not really any overlap here. Right, right. Okay, so let's let's start with uh, the, the first one in order, the second episode of the first season, Yesteryear. Why don't we start there? Okay. We accept a lot more silliness and lack of logic because it's animated. Obviously, time travel has issues, so why not play with it more? <laughs> that seemed to be the premise of this. It doesn't make much sense, but by gum, Spock is going to go back in time to save himself. So, uh, <laughs> 
Now, we talked about um, his pet Selot, and we talked about yes. uh, back when we did Journey to Babel, we mentioned mm-hmm. we mentioned some of this backstory, and so you got a chance to go back in time and see it. Now, yeah, it might have been a little bit hokey as to why he had to go back and – Sure. Yeah. In fact, why don't we talk about that first? So, so, okay. and these episodes are, I haven't watched these obviously nearly as much as some of the original series episodes. So, so, um, kind of like remembering some of the plot holes and things like that along the way. And the idea yeah. that he wasn't in his timeline during a time when other people were scanning his history, something didn't happen that forced him to die. And yet he was still able to come back from the other timeline and then go back in time to fix it. I I would love for somebody to write down that sentence that you just had to say out loud. Hello, Siri. <laughs> <laughs> right. Take this down. Um right. Uh, so it's a little convoluted. We can admit that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So so um, they went back to the Guardian of Forever. Mm-hmm. So we got to see that, which is cool. So at least they're not like forgetting that it's there. Yeah, that's nice that they didn't just like, oh, that was a thing, but we're never going to see it again. Yeah. Uh, so, but plus writers can do so much. The second you open that door, writers get to be like, oh, let's bring back dead characters or... It's the same thing with parallel universes. You just suddenly have literally a whole nother world to work with. Right, right. Yeah. It's always fun. You can, you can, everything becomes malleable. Yeah. Easily. So let's assume the premise he's going, he's going back in time because he has to save his younger version's life, his younger self's life back when he was seven years old. Who he sort of remembers, which I kind of expect Spock to have a pretty decisive memory. It should be on point. He's Spock. And suddenly he's just like, well, I kind of remember, but this was weird. And I'm just like, I, that's crazy. It seemed like his cousin who looked a lot like an older version of himself left quite an impression on him. So I feel like he should have remembered more, but that didn't bother me quite as much. Okay. I liked, I, I liked this episode. I really did. Uh, I like that it was shorter. Is that the sadness of my attention span? It might, <laughs> it might be. I was really excited to see this a lot. Um, and I thought that they did something really cool in the fact that this is animated. They had to have known it was going to go out to a lot of children and dealing with the death of a pet, which Kirk is a little bit callous about. Yes, and well, and so too it seems is I mean you know the the the, the physician the healer uh, a little bit callous about it Sarek a little bit callous about it um, maybe the Vulcans are just a little bit callous although Kirk was too yeah you're right Ugh. I didn't actually want to focus on the negative stuff I thought that it was really great that uh, Spock dealing with a younger version of himself the pet has surely died in his time frame mm-hmm. once he's grown up so he's already dealt with this just not at that time yeah actually it makes a lot of sense and even in the way that he dealt with Sarek and said you know cut him some slack 
basically, uh, was yeah. really a cool moment, a cool character moment where, you, yeah. you know, Spock has he's such an interesting character and, and he, he has to learn how to tightrope walk this really fine is. line between being emotionless and dealing with that he is part human. And so, so, you know, the Vulcans aren't emotionless. Which he says straight out in this episode, which was really nice to hear from him to his younger self. Uh, and it makes you wonder a little bit about um, what this encounter will do to change right. his future. So his pet died at a different time. And, and what does that mean for the future of Spock? Uh, apparently nothing because he came back and everything was Pretty much. It didn't seem like there were many changes. I mean, the only thing that they that they did to, like, nod right, toward change right. <laughs> was say, <laughs> things change. Thanks for that nugget, Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> so we don't have time to show you that. But trust me, something is different. And I did think the sellout would be more feisty. Because when I thought of, when I thought of a teddy bear with fangs, I was like, oh, it's oh. going to be like a feisty little kitty. Rawr. And it was, it was not. It was uh, kind of a loyal dog. It was sweet. It was very much a loyal dog, you know, even following Spock out into the in, into the wilderness and, and attacking that uh Dragon? Yeah, that weird Il 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 Lech. Il Chea. Il T I I Chaya is the name of, of the Sellot. Oh. So you wanted to talk about Spock's dealing with the loss of his pet. Yes. I want to talk about that too. And I want to talk about it from the perspective of the audience. Okay. And the audience I want you to consider is an audience of people, including myself back in 1973 when this first came out. I was nine years old. Right. And it was Saturday morning television. This was what they were presenting to kids so the audience was kids as well. I mean, there were some adults that knew that this was good Star Trek, for, but for the most part, they sat us down for, for Saturday morning television so that the adults could go do whatever they wanted to do. And instead of getting Scooby-Doo and, and Roadrunner, we watched shows about dying pets. We really got some powerful concepts. So consider who is watching this episode. That had to have been extremely specific. You, I even even while I was watching it, I was thinking this is this is animated. This is a lot for kids, and it's really compassionate. The way it's dealt with is a lot like what I imagine Spock would want a father to say to him, mm -hmm. or in fact, almost any child. It's a great moment. Yeah, and kids do have to deal with that. There, and they kind of they should. Every kid should have a pet, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. That they have to take care of and they they get to love. And they deal with it so beautifully and so honestly in this. There's no very honestly. There's yeah. no lying. The the pet didn't just go to sleep. The pet didn't, you know, I mean it wasn't going off to a farm or something like that. Right. They dealt with it. They gave him the option of you can let it suffer or it, and and how about that? They actually gave young young 7-year-old Spock. Mm, they yeah. That choice. And said, it's okay for a seven-year-old to make that choice because his opinion matters for this, this life. Yeah. Really, really pow empowering of children, I thought. It really is. And of in not so big because they're talking about a pet, but for end-of-life discussions, mm -hmm. at least planting that tiny bit of a seed that's like, 
this matters and you should give this more thought than, oh, screw that, or oh, he died, or oh, I don't care, it doesn't matter. You, all of the things that you'd like to go through if you're grieving. Yeah. I don't know what I'm talking about. It's a hard subject. I mean, we're proving it right now by our stumbling over it. And yet they chose to attack it on Saturday morning television. So bravo for however you got that on, because I'm sure that made a difference in a lot of kids' lives. I hope so. It was dealt with so well that I hope so. Uh, this brings up a thing. I wanted to ask you, so what would this, almost this entire episode, what I liked most about it was Spock dealing with his younger self. So if you had to give, and he gives him that one thing, that mm -hmm. Vulcans have emotions too, and logic, they chose that path because logic offers them serenity. He still didn't tell him anything. He could have been like, you're going to choose this and you're going to be great. Or don't be scared. He doesn't say any of that to influence the actual decision. But he he knows himself at seven. What would you do? What would you do to go back and tell yourself at seven, but not affect your life? <laughs> um, If I wanted to let it happen naturally and not give anything away, mm -hmm. I think I would say something like, even when it feels like it's not, everything's going to be okay. You're going to be fine. You're going to get through it. Mm -hmm. You're a lot stronger than you think you are. Mm -hmm. In the moments that you don't feel that, remember, I said you were. That's what I would say to my seven-year-old self. That's amazing. That was almost verbatim what I would say to my seven-year-old self. It's like, things are going to be horrible sometimes, and it's going to be all right. Mm -hmm. That's an amazing thing to tell somebody yeah. as a little kid because you don't know everything's going to be okay. Not that I would have – I don't know if I would have trusted an adult telling me everything was going to be okay, but – Well, and, and you know, the, the final interaction with Spock and, and especially the final interaction with Sarek where, mm, yeah. where, where older Spock, where disguised Spock it, it has that conversation with Sarek and says, you know, try to understand him. Right. Which – who knows if that made any difference? Um, if things played out the way they did, did it make any difference? Who knows? Well, if it didn't change Spock, because Spock comes back and he's still himself. Mm -hmm. So it's not like he's the Spock who... Ah, that, that one's a contradiction. Because if it did change anything, it changed Spock. Only it couldn't have changed Spock because Spock comes back. The time travel part of this episode ah. didn't work as well as it could have. The story worked, though. <laughs> and you kind of have to say, okay, that he went back, he came back, and even though the uh, little bit changed, we don't really see much different. Right. Yeah. How about talking about uh, – let's talk about Thalen, the Andorian. Uh, I had an interesting reaction to him because he gave up so easily, and with the way this episode started, I kind of assumed with the way – Spock was when he was in the past. He's like, this isn't how it w I remember it happening. I thought somebody was secretly trying to sabotage that. And it would only make sense that it was Thalen because he gave up so easily. But that's not what happened. And he never comes. It, it, that doesn't become a thing. So he really is that giving of being like, oh, okay. Sort of the, the, the model 
the model officer who says, I want to help set things right, even though I don't know what that means for yeah. me. Yeah. I w- would Spock have said the same thing in his place? I don't know. Right? I, I kind of want to believe, which makes Thalen a great character when you think about it. Of course, yeah. of course, Kirk would have chosen him as his right arm the way Spock was. Uh, mm-hmm. Because it, it might be that Spock would do that. Spock would be like, oh, logically, I actually don't belong here. The timeline was changed and therefore we must set it right, even if that is of detriment to me. Mm-hmm. I could see Spock doing that. Anything else we want to say about yesteryear? Uh, Seven-year-old, what would you give? I love that question, by the way. I, I didn't know you were going to ask that of me. I didn't know you were going to answer in the same exact way that I would. But it's kind of like, if, you, if given those set of circumstances, I feel like that's what everyone would say to themselves as a little kid. I don't want to spoil it. No spoilers, but you're going to be okay. <laughs> no spoilers. No spoilers. However. However. You're going to be fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's all going to be all right. You can kiss Andrea Friedman a lot sooner than you think you can. That I might I might tell my seven-year-old. You don't have to wait the two months before. Yeah. That was uh, my, my, first, my first kiss. <laughs> Let's talk the second episode. Let's talk the Lorelei signal. Okay. I did not like this, since we're going in order, quite as much as yesteryear. And I'm sure part of that was the sensibilities. Like, really? Every single male has to be taken out before Uhura can take over? And thank God when she finally does. But it was only like 45% that. It was like... 55%, sorry, had to do math. (laughs) It was like 55%... This is so stupid. They're seriously going to show up, given every warning that ships are disappearing. They're going to like, oh, well, let's go to that Bermuda Triangle right at the time when other ships have disappeared. Let's go then. Uh, and then when weird stuff starts happening, why don't we just jump in? Okay. So it was dumb to me. <laughs> That's. I think maybe the... It, 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 I, I got that. It was it was a little bit of a – no, I'm going to defend this because here's, okay. what it, here's what it felt like to me. The moment that they heard that signal, the moment they heard that signal, they were entranced. There was – from that moment on, there was no free will for the men. Uh, okay. It, it might have seemed like they were fighting it and Spock was probably a little stronger than the others at fighting it. But ultimately, from the moment that they first turned on that signal, the men were useless. I'm not going to deny that. Yes, they were in this episode. Yes. Well, and, and and the way the way I see justifying it is by saying that that's when it happened. Is from the moment they heard it, they're already talking. In fact, even in that first scene where they turn it on and it sounds like a beckon, and and Uhura says, "I don't hear any summons." It sounds like beckon. music. It sounds like a summons to her. It sounds like a summons. Yeah. Right. And she says, "It doesn't. It doesn't sound like that to me at all." And he says. Noted. Let's just go. Right. So it's like he's already dismissing. He's already stuck right from moment one. And it was subtle, maybe too subtle for a, for an animated, you know, for a cartoon episode. Maybe. But it was there. So I think he was affected from the moment that it happened that he, they were out of control. And so that's why all of their actions 
of basically walking into a trap. The trap was already sprung by the time that they were they were they were just finishing the action of the trap. All right, that gives them leave to be stupid from that moment on. However, before that, they still make the decision to go in this ship alone at the very moment that other ships have been noted to have just disappeared. Yes. Okay, so so the, you're just talking about the entire premise of the entire episode. I got a that. A little bit, yeah. Uh, I got that. It seems a little silly to send one ship and, and and honestly not have them just at least, like, make a phone call to headquarters, like, during the moment. And just stay on the line with us. Right. Some, so, we, you know, you can describe what's happening. Right. Which... I get the premise takes a, takes the second you start logicking through that kind of like uh, yesteryear, it's it's just going to go away. I just happen to like yesteryear a lot better. That's what it is. I gotcha. I gotcha. And and again, twenty two minutes. We got half the time. Right. It is animated. It is for kids. They are going to make certain leaps of logic in some of these episodes. Sure. Um, and they're going to present some things for kids in some of these episodes. The, uh, there's a Tribbles episode. And while it's definitely a great story, there's a couple of moments that you look at and you're like, well, that could be the Roadrunner. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, so, okay. So aside from the rolling of the eyes, uh, which I think is fair. Okay. The guys get a little extra smarmy. I think I could be given that one. Okay. Not just stupid, but McCoy especially has a line. I don't even remember the line. Oh, he's like, oh, that's the first bodily function I ever enjoyed or something. Yeah, that's the first time I ever ever enjoyed a bodily something. Yeah. 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 uh, There were a couple of lines like that. And then McCoy's other line that I just loved was when he started talking about sorry and brandy. Let's, Let's talk about drinking alcohol. Um, in front of the kiddos. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe a little bit of an inappropriate, in, inappropriate stuff coming from him. And even, well, uh, Scotty, Scotty's weird, weird. Scotty has a ballad in this. He does, right? Like, uh, like, which I loved. Can you sing it? No. Oh. I actually like thought about trying to learn it for this. And then just gave up because <laughs> half of it's so so slurry, it's hard to understand what he's actually saying. Saying. Uh, uh, but the only thing that, that didn't work for me was I thought the Enterprise moved a little too slowly. I got that they wanted it to be this lumbering shot while he's singing in the background. But I, I wish the Enterprise had moved a little faster because it would have been funnier. But apart from that, I love that moment. And that's the moment where Uhura says, get out of the chair, Scotty. Uh, yeah, actually, it's, isn't it after she takes over? Which is why I so, thought it was soothing, but weirdly placed, because she takes over, and then you have this, like, oh, okay, I guess we're just sitting here. Yeah, so, so she takes, it sure looked to me like there were a few, a few moments that kind of got done out of order. Like, she, yeah. she, she, she declares that she's taking over the ship, and she, and she's already got female science teams out there right? before anyone's talked about female male. Right. They were on the ball. They really were. All of the lady scientists, all of the lady red skirts, all of the... Uh, uh, yes! The yes. red skirts! I loved that. It was Christine Chapel in her blue, in her blue outfit. 
on the transporter pad with Uhura in her mm-hmm. red, because she wears mm-hmm. red, and four security officers, all women. And the first thing I thought of was, oh, look at the group of red skirts. <laughs> nice. Isn't that a show that needs to be made? The red skirts? Yes. Right? Like an all-female security force or something like that. And their adventures in the Star Trek universe. Right? You could certainly do something like that. Red skirts. Yeah. That would be really cool. Hey, let's let's pitch this to somebody. <laughs> somebody needs to make this happen. Copyright uh, 2017. Right. Ha- hashtag red skirts. Coming, coming to a YouTube channel near you. Right. But I love that. I, I love seeing the, the, the red skirts on all of the... Security people and mm-hmm. and they took nothing. They 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 yeah. took, they overpowered those ladies down on the planet like pfft, they were nothing. Yeah, they did phase them out pretty quickly. They shot them all. Yes, it was kind of like wow, these ladies are not fooling around. Okay. Yep, she was getting her captain back. Yeah, she was. And yet, and this bugged me, and I'm sure it bugged you too. She had to wait for Spock. Yes. To say, send down a search party, even though she had them all standing by. She had them she ready. She knew better. She could have done that, and and the writers knew better. Mm-hmm. And somebody said, she's got to get the order from above. Yeah. Even when the above is entranced and in a state of stupidity. It made no sense for him to get away, nope. to crawl, 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 except... Yep. When she'd already figured it out. Yeah. That little tiny bit there was like, you're doing all this great stuff with it. Like the episode was great for Uhura. Yes. And, then that, I and loved that one it. little tiny moment just undermined it a little bit. In my mind, maybe it undermined it a lot in yours. In mine, it was very, I was like, really? Even when they're incapacitated and she's already taken over, she still has to wait. It would have been awesome. And I know it's a, it's a little tweak, but it's a big plot thing for me. That she still waits for the dudes. Ah. Um, but I, it was awesome to see her actually say the word. Well, I kind of, I would have loved to have seen Nichelle Nichols say the words. No, I'm taking over. Cause she's just, she's great when she takes over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it was, it's, it, it, those actions she took, the, the phaser shots, mm-hmm. the, the, the demands that she makes on the leader, um, when they go out to the urn and she, you know, changes the settings on the phaser before they fire, uh, and Kirk and Spock and, or Kirk and they all just come spilling out, yeah. which is just kind of a funny little moment. She is crushing it. She's just crushing it with everything. Um, she's a right. little carried away when she's just like, hey, I'm going to destroy all your knickknacks. All right. So why don't you tell me where they're at? <laughs> I was like, oh, no, the vase. But that was the animated part of it. It was fun. It was fun, Goofy. They were presenting to nine-year-old Andy, his his friend Harley, who you know, who we watched this stuff together with every uh, week. The two of us watched the animated series when it was live in 1973. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to call him. I got to call him and get him listening <laughs> to this show. Right. Tell him you give him a shout out. Heck yeah, I will. I absolutely will. Uh, but it was, it, they were presenting Uhura taking over the ship. Mm-hmm. This is five years after the original series has been canceled. And this is where the stories are starting to head. That they're finally starting to relax and be like, hey, yeah, women actually, they're great at taking over. <laughs> we can do that too. They had a little freedom on the, on the animateds. 
because they weren't looking as close at them. It's a it's a kids show, yeah. It's a kids show. They're not going to put anything that bad on there, and and they didn't. They put great stuff on there. <laughs> well, they talked about the the loss of a pet. Mm-hmm. They talked they talked about a woman taking over the ship. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and saving the day. Um, other episodes that we deal with of all things the devil. There's an episode of of. Uh, the animated series where we deal with the devil. There's all kinds of really big messages that they get to deliver to Saturday morning TV watchers. So before we start talking full Trek, I want to go back to something you said. So you said, you know, seven-year-old Andy is sitting there uh, and he's watching Empowered Uhura, which is mm-hmm. awesome. But he's yes. also watching Stupid Kirk. Does that bother you? Because if I saw my female childhood hero suddenly become, oh, their song has made me stupid, so I'll just follow, that would bug the snot out of me. Do men feel that on the reverse? I I have no experience of that he was stupid in this episode. From my perspective, granted the... (laughs) Sorry, guys. You have to know I just made a yeah, face Yeah, yeah. She really just made a are you kidding me moment. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Was he not being stupid? Seriously. Because... If you could have brought your eyebrow up any higher, I would have called you Spock. <laughs> uh, really. Really, Andy. You were, you were saying. <laughs> no. I, I, from, from my perspective, and I, that's why I argued it so vehemently, the minute they heard that signal, they were out of control. Like that's from right. that moment, and, and maybe that's the apology to him and all the male characters that maybe I empathize with, and certainly Captain Kirk. But I've never looked at the episode like they were stupid. Now, okay, yeah, the original premise of a ship disappears from that parking spot every 27 years, and that's in like 10 minutes. Can you go park there? And Kirk <laughs> saying, Yeah. Okay. okay. All right. That part might be a little on the dumb side or the explore at all costs side. Okay. Well, yeah, that's, we'll go with explore at all costs. Yeah. <laughs> but, but once he was affected and then they put the thing on him, the, the headband on mm-hmm. him, in my, from, from my viewpoint, Kirk is in big trouble. It's a damn good thing we got women on the ship. We got nice. competent, qualified women on the ship. Nice. And this is an episode – I've talked about my mom before and how she introduced Star Trek to me. And this is an episode I very much remember talking with my mom after I watched it. And my mom was very – she was very active in the uh, women's movement. For her. Uh, fought for the for, for the Equal Rights the Equal Rights Amendment and was, you know, in the National Organization for Women. She uh, – Gloria Steinem came to my house. That's fantastic! Wow, how how old were you? About this age. It was in the it was in the seventies. Awesome. Yeah, so I was this, okay. so I was around. Pretty amazing. My household was very liberal and very. We were talking equal rights right from the beginning, and this episode right here was really important that my mom pointed out to me that it doesn't matter whether you're a man or a woman. Nice. Everybody contributes. And that was a lesson that I remembered from way back when. And when I go through the animated series, which I don't do very often, but when I do, this is an episode that mattered to me. 
I always was going to show you this episode, and, mm-hmm. and it never had anything to do with your opinions. This affected me. Ah, because this one's, yeah. The more that we talked about where Star Trek was with how it treated women, both progressively and what looks like, come on, you had a long way to go. The mm-hmm. moral eye signal was like a turning point for me. Uh, is there anything else we want to talk about with Lorelai? Um, aside from the evening entertainment being watching a woman balance giant gems. Yeah, that's probably not going to make the cut. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but then she throws the little one at him and that reaction is pretty funny. So I enjoyed that. You could just put that in as I enjoyed it. <laughs> okay. Are you still recording that? Yeah. Oh, okay, Well, I mean, it was a cute moment, right? <laughs> it was. It was fun. It was one of those little animated like <laughs> sparkly. Okay, that's fine. Hey, let's talk track. Let's talk track. Uh, We completely skipped over the fact that going back into the transporter will magically heal you, which why does anybody have any disease ever? That can't be, that can't be canon. The second you do that, you have a magical thing that makes you healthy all the time. Right. And, and while they do do this in this episode and they kind of skirt that issue a couple of times in other episodes, there are, there's so many questions about how those transporters actually work, what they're doing, mm-hmm. what you can get away with. And by the end of the series, they've, they do take some pretty interesting liberties. Um, they're transporting with a weapon. I'll just disable it. They're, you know, in transit. Uh, oh, you know, sure. that kind of thing. Uh, we yeah, can do yeah, that. Why not? So, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the transporters are, they're, they're magical. They are very magical. They're just magical. We also did not address the fact that what happens if you are a lesbian? Does the song affect you there? Because, and this is something I didn't didn't necessarily want to get into because I realized, but this is such a, and I know I'm going to sound like one of those people, but this is such a binary way of looking at things and it bothers me and I'm not going to forgive it for the time period that it's made in either because there are gay people in the 70s. So yes. you don't get to uh, openly. This isn't something that's like. Yeah, yeah, but but in the seventies, you don't talk about it, and you certainly don't talk about it on television, and you certainly don't talk about it on television in Saturday morning cartoons. Then you can't. Then you don't get to tell this story this way. I understand. Yeah, I understand that that is a missing, um, and it's a missing that most people probably didn't even see was a missing at the time because. You don't talk about it was just sort of the way life was. And those kinds of conversations were still being held in back rooms and in closets. You know, this is before people came out in public. People were shunned. And, you know, and and this will – here's my talking track. Okay. This – journey that you and I have taken together has given me such an interesting perspective on what people find offensive and what people used to find offensive that they no longer do. Offense has changed so much in my mind because of of watching the show with you. But this is some of the things that it's, if you're quiet, you're complicit. And it's something that I think my generation is seriously pushing back on. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that's good. Yeah. 
for the most part. Now, it does leave a whole lot of people screaming really loudly. That's not fun. But it's better than... I bet people did watch this episode. And I bet it did cross their mind. What about the guy that likes other guys and doesn't want the hot blonde woman? Crossed my mind when we were when we were watching it right here. Then that silence is actually detrimental. You don't get to talk about it from the 70s all the way to when you finally feel the freedom to be like, screw that episode mm-hmm. because it didn't even it didn't even speak to how people are. So that's what like that's what I mean when I say if it's there in society, like if 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 nobody gay ever existed, then yeah, you get to write this episode. But they did, and at the time, it wasn't like it was unknown. Okay, I wasn't alive, but you were. Tell me, this wasn't unknown. Homosexuality it just wasn't, wasn't unknown. Talked about. It wasn't talked about. Yeah, it it was. It would not be talked about in, and I'm using finger quotes here. Polite right. society. Right. Okay. It just it there were there was no will and grace. There were no shows about homosexuality. There, it, it literally wasn't talking about sexual revolutions were happening throughout the 60s, 70s, you know, I mean, constantly. And, and homosexuality went through tons of stigma compared to where it is today. And there's still stigma. There's still, yeah, sadly. And it's not near, there's still racism, but it's not like sadly, it was back. Yes. It's not like it was a hundred years ago. There's still sexism. It's not like it was before. Our, 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 our societal norms change and we change with them. And then we look at another, another society's norms from our perspective. Right. And, and it, say, how could you? And it looks all funky. Right. So I don't know. I think culture has fragmented enough that you could do that right now within society. You look at the norms of somebody standing right next to you and you're like, how do you live this way? Uh-huh. And they look right back at you and say the same exact thing. Yeah. Hopefully that doesn't lead to hurting each other. That's the goal. If we can all sit next to each other and, and say that and then not hurt each other, that'd be fantastic. We always seem to end up kind of on the same thing. Like These are difficult times for a lot of people. These times, these times, these 2017 times of ours. And it's creating a brand new society that is a little disconnected. This is why Star Trek. And every time, yes. This is why. Yeah. I keep coming back to it, right? And we're going to, we have yet to, uh, I mean, here we are. We're at the, we're at the, at the end of the animated series. We've got a couple of movies with Kirk. And then we advance 80 years into the future mm-hmm. in terms of the timeline. 25 years, almost 30, 25 to 30 years into the future in terms right. of production. When we suddenly jump out of the, the 70s now because we're doing the animated and we jump into the next generation. Yeah. And, and the concepts are going to start to look a little bit more familiar to you. And... They're going to tackle bigger and bigger issues because it's Star Trek, and now we've got a reputation for tackling issues. Ah, uh, I like that. How how long between the live action original series and the animated original series? Five years. So there's only five years, mm-hmm. and I was really really happy that they kept a lot of the names uh, for actual speaking parts. Yes, it was really nice to hear Sarek 
uh, he's got a great voice. It's, it's very emotive for all of the lack of facial features. You need that. And I thought he did a great job. He's a phenomenal actor. Yes, Mark Leonard. Shocking, right? Mark Leonard. And we're not done watching him in this journey either. We, You and I will still be seeing at least one more episode with him. I haven't decided which one. Nice. There's two, and I'm trying to decide between which one that I want to show you. Here I thought you had this all planned out. Oh, it's planned. It's, a work- it's, <laughs> it's, it's planned, but it's. It, I, I'm keeping it fluid. I'm, keep, nice. I'm keeping it fluid because you are helping to guide me. What did you think of watching Star Trek in animated form? Did it work for you? Did you enjoy it? Would you watch more? I don't think I'll be watching more unless I've run out of other things to do. <laughs> uh, it's really awesome in some ways mm-hmm. because you get to do things that you wouldn't be able to do because it's a whole lot easier to draw a bird alien than it is to put one into makeup. Yes. But on the flip side, you lose all of the things that you get from the faces and the reactions and the things that I didn't know that I was watching. I was watching mm-hmm. reaction shots and all of that from... Uh, these guys are good actors. I depend on Spock's eyebrow a little bit to <laughs> guide me emotionally. <laughs> are we talking next week? I think we are. I think I just sort of transitioned up. Okay. For those of you, those of you out there who have not yet seen any of the animated, first of all, Jessica, you have now seen two episodes of Star Trek that probably 90% of Star Trek fans have never seen. <gasps> That's shocking. Isn't that? They should, they should begin their trek with me. <laughs> they should. They really should. Um, some of the stories in, in these, these episodes are really good and really fun and they're told really quick. And you can binge the entire 22 episode series faster than you can watch the second season of Stranger Things. I mean, you can go through them. Boom, and get 22 new Star Trek stories that you may have never seen. So my recommendation for this week. Okay. Pick an episode from the animated series and push play and enjoy something brand new. All right. So recommended literally any of them. They're (laughs) all fun. I, yeah, I mean, why not? It's tw- it's 22. If you've never seen them before, if you've not seen them, uh, mm-hmm. but you're a Star Trek fan, this is like oh, uncovering some little gems. They may not be, you know, the, the, the most complex episodes. The animation is 1973 cell animation. It's a little bit goofy. I kind of like it. But, you know, and, and the, uh, the music is kind of repetitive mm. and, and stuff like that. But the stories are still fun and good and it's still empowering and it's definitely Star Trek. So that's my recommendation for the week. Let's talk actual next week. What am I watching? Ah, things are about to get really complicated. So here's okay. what's going ha- so here's what's going to happen over the next few weeks. Okay. For those of you who are on the trek with us, The next couple of episodes going forward are going to be some supplemental episodes. We're going to be watching two different movies. So these aren't counting as episodes. Right. Correct. Those will be during the the holiday season. Okay. The first one is we're going to be watching a movie, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Right. Yes. The second supplement will be Star Trek VI, 
The Undiscovered Country. So those are the two movies that we're going to be watching during this run. And as they're not episodes, I get to call them supplementals and save two spots for other episodes. Okay, this pushes our actual timeline of episodes past... Past a year. We're going to have to figure out... Is that bad? No, 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 no. It's, uh, I, like, I like the way you were able to sneak this in here. There you go, yeah. So, uh, And then we will be resuming our track with our 52 episodes... Moving on to the next generation, and we're going to be – our episode number 15 will be doing on January the 3rd, and it will be um, yes. Encounter at Farpoint. Encounter at Farpoint. From what I understand, that is the first of the next generation. So it's a great way to start the new year, it's, I guess. Exactly. Brand new year, brand new series. Nice. There you go. I will be tweeting that out on the 30th, not the 31st. That's the Saturday before New Year's because even though Andy was like, why don't you spend New Year's Eve watching this? I will not be. <laughs> she seems to think that uh, people aren't interested in watching Star Trek for New Year's Eve. So if you want to see those for Encounter at Farpoint, I am planning on doing them Saturday the 30th in December. Perfect. So we will be back on the uh, on the tweet schedule that's at begin the track mm -hmm. and uh, hashtag BTT hashtag hashtag encounter at Farpoint. Wow. That's a big one. Encounter at Farpoint. Oh, the last thing we did want to mention is you may not want to skip over these movies, at least the two that are suggested and some of the others, because from what I understand, they introduce a lot of stuff and at least these two well worth watching. You speak very wisely, Jessica. Yeah, the, the there's a lot of transition that happens between the the Captain Kirk saga and the Captain Picard saga, which is the next generation. So uh, this is going to catch you up on a couple of things. What happens with the Klingons? What happens with Kirk? Definitely do that. Oh, and then tune in uh, for the bonus episodes because we are going to have John Champion from Mission Log, and I am so excited and thrilled that he is going to be joining us and making us look like the amateurs that we are. <laughs> I am thrilled, and I am... Uh, uh, yeah, I, it's going to be so much fun because John and I have, have gotten to know each other over the last few years, and uh, he hosts, uh, he co-hosts Mission Log podcast, uh, which is uh, um, one of the things that got me interested in making my own. So uh, he's influenced me in a lot of ways, and I cannot wait to let him show us how it's done. Right. Yeah. That'll be that'll be a fun one. Yes. Well, so you, Jessica, enjoy Wrath of Khan. <laughs> we'll see after Space Seed. <laughs> and uh, we will talk about it uh, next, next week. Next week. All right. Bye-bye. The sound effect for his, that scream, that's Godzilla. Really? That is the exact same scream as all those 1950s Godzilla. Like, I would bet my life on it. Can you copyright a sound like that? After 60 years, I don't know if the original Godzilla sound would be in the public domain or not.